0: Father, we are so grateful and thankful, Lord, and we we love you, and we thank you, Lord, because you first loved us. And Lord, I thank you for such an amazing time of, of being in your presence, and Lord, just focusing on you, an audience of one. Uh, Lord, I thank you for these wonderful, amazing servants that you have gifted, Lord, to to usher us into your presence. I pray that you bless them. Bless them, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, today that we would have open hearts and open minds, eyes, ears to receive your word. It's your word, not my opinion, not philosophy. Uh, it's your word. And so, Lord, we thank you for truth. So, Lord, bless our time together. I decrease that you would increase and to myself, of myself, so fill me with yourself, that everything that I say and you, every thought that enters my mind, be of you, not of me. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Say it again. Say it nice and loud. Amen. Right on. If you have your Bible or Bible app, uh, turn to 1 John, the Epistle John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 is today's text. We took a break from the series, this series, Authentic, uh, last week because of Mother's Day. We're now back in this series, part 11 today. Again, First John, not the gospel, but the epistle John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. If you're there, say amen. And before we even dive into the text, I, I want to do a quick review from uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, three points, you might remember these points. The first one, uh, verses 1 through 6, was the reason for And that's in verse 1. And John is commanding all believers, say all believers, he says, do not believe every spirit. And that implies that there is more than one spirit, that there is more than the Holy Spirit. Uh, There are other spirits in the world. And so, so who are these other spirits? Well, they are demon spirits, say demon spirits, that are behind in empowering every false prophet, every false teacher, and every false preacher who teach doctrines of demons. Now remember, just because something has a supernatural feel to it doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that it's from God. Got it? Say got it. John then tells us why it's necessary, why it is critically important to test the spirits. He says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many, say many, false prophets have gone out into the world. The second point was the basis for discernment. That's in verses 2 and 3. And here John gives Uh, the actual test, or we could say the standard or the basis that separates the true preacher from the false preacher. And if they acknowledge that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then they are from God. To deny that is to not be of God. And if a teacher or preacher is wrong on the nature and and, and person of Jesus Christ, if they deny the true deed and humanity of Jesus Christ, they're false teachers. They're false prophets, false preachers. They're not teaching the truth. They're, they're a fraud. They're a counterfeit. They're indwelt and driven by a different spirit. Well, John defines that spirit. He says this is the spirit of the say, Antichrist, okay, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. The third point of last, not last week, two weeks ago, the, um, the text was the evidence of discernment. And that's in verses 4 through 6. And John addresses his audience. He's pointing to the new birth, to believers. And the fact that you are from God means you belong to God. You are called by God. You are indwelt as a believer. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? God's Holy Spirit, that you are taught by God as well. Then he says this, and have overcome them. He's speaking to Christians. You have overcome them. Them are who? Are the false teachers, you overcome their false teachings. You overcome their false gospel. You have not given into or submitted to their teachings. Well, how is it that a true believer can overcome them? Well, he says because the one who is in you, God's Holy Spirit, is greater than the one Satan, right? The one who's behind the false teachers who's in the world. So, greater is God's spirit in us. Amen. Than the one, Satan, who is in the world. And John continues by saying that false teachers say things that the world wants to hear. The world loves it. Therefore, the false teachers are what? Popular with the world. Then he makes it very clear that all who are born of God, those who are truly saved, say truly saved, will accept the teachings of the apostles as found in the New Testament. And those who are not of God refuse the teachings of the apostles as found in the New Testament. This now brings us to today's text. The title of the message today is Supernatural Love. Everyone say that. Now say it with more enthusiasm. Supernatural love. Now, now listen and follow me here. Every writer, whether it be a songwriter, an author, a poet, or a screenplay writer, every writer has a certain pattern in their writing style, right? Well, we can see John's pattern throughout his epistle. And if you've been with us from the very beginning of this series, you will have noticed that John covers a few themes. And then later on, he'll go back to those themes. So follow me here. Back in chapter 2, you might remember this. Back in chapter 2, his theme is on love. Say love. About authentic love. And he tells us whoever loves his brothers or sisters lives in the light. And then he tells us about the wrong love. The wrong love He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. And then in chapter 3, he returns once again to the great theme of love, and he tells us that true, authentic, genuine believers are marked by love. Say, marked by love. And here in today's text, John comes back to love. Say, back to love. Back to the theme of love once again. If you got it, say, got it. Uh, three points, if you're ready, say yes. Here we go. Point number one is the exhortation to love. Say that, the exhortation to love. Write that down, and we're gonna look at verse 7a. When I say 7a, that's referring to the first part of verse seven, so follow me here. John says, dear friends, again, that's a term of endearment, right? A term of endearment, a tender affection. Dear friends, let us love one another. Now say, let us. Okay, Notice that that it's in the first person plural. So in context, John is speaking about the love between who? Brothers and sisters in who? In Christ. Those who belong to the family of God. He's speaking to all believers. Say, all believers. Now, are we to love unbelievers? Of course. That's a given. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are to love our enemies. And we are to have a genuine concern for those outside of Christ. Now, I want to say this. Loving unbelievers doesn't mean approving or affirming the way they live or their lifestyle. We can be compassionate towards them without compromising God's Word. Are you guys with me? So, yes, we are to love unbelievers, of course. But in context, a context, it's speaking about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, Say, let us love one another. Say that. Also notice that it's in the present tense. In other words, we are to always be loving one another. Loving one another when it's easy and when it's not so easy. Okay? There's not, in other words, what he's saying is this, there's not a moment when we stop loving one another. I also want to point out that this is, in the subjective mood, not the imperative mood. In other words, friends, this is not issued so much as a command here, but rather as a tender, tender exhortation. Say, say tender exhortation. In other words, it's, it's, it's almost as if John is, is, is putting his arm around us, and he's saying, come on, come on, let us love one another. Come on, come on, come on, let, let's get with this. Let's do this, let's love one another. A tender exhortation. Now this love, say this love, that, that John is speaking about here in the text, and we should already know this, is agapeo, agape love. Say, say agapeo, say agape. Okay, that's what we're talking about, this kind of love, it's, it's God's love. It's, it's the highest form of love. It's a, it's a love that rises Rises to the highest level. That being said, I want to do, what I want to do right now is give you four words that best describe, that best define agapeo, agape love. If, if you're ready, say yes. Okay, here we go. The first one is just sacrificial. Say that. Sacrificial. This is agapeo, agape love. God's love is sacrificial. It sacrificially gives. You guys with me? In other words, it's costly. It's costly. It's not a cheap love. It's a costly love. There's a cost factor to love someone like this. And what comes to mind is what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the, that he what? He what? One more time. He what? He gave his one and only begotten Son. He gave. He gave. gave. Let me tell you something, friends. If it's if it's not, listen now, if it doesn't, if it's not a sacrifice, it's not love. Got it? Got it? It's got to be sacrificial, costly. Say costly. Say sacrificial. Next one is unconditional. Say that. Unconditional. In other words, this love for my brothers and sisters in Christ is not based on how they come across to me. Got it? Now, I love them even when they rub me the wrong way. I love them even when I have a hard time with their personality or with their attitude. You guys with me? I love them, say I love them, even when they are unlovely. You guys with me? The bottom line is this. My love for them, other brothers and sisters in Christ, is not based on their condition, but on their position. Positionally, say positionally. They are in Christ, correct? Therefore, I see them through the lens of the life of Jesus and through the lens of the Word of God and the love of God. Got it? Say sacrificial. Say unconditional. Intentional. Write that down. Say intentional. In other words, it's deeper than just emotions. It's deeper than this, this, this feeling in our hearts. It's a choice, it's an act of the will. And the idea here is, is whether we feel like it or not, whether our heart is in it or not. It's a choice of the will. It's intentional, okay? We make the choice to give ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, we extend extend ourselves, right? We initiate loving our fellow believers. Let me put it this way. It's active, not passive. Got it? It's active. Not passive. In other words, it never sits back. This kind of love, agape love, never sits back just as a spectator and just watches others. Uh Uh-uh. It's love in action. Say love in action. In other words, I go out of my way. I step outside of my own agenda, right, to reach out to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If you got it, say got it. Say sacrificial. Say unconditional. Say intentional. How about this? Self-denial. Say that. Self-denial. In other words, this love, this agapeo, agape love requires dying to self. Got it? It's selflessness. It, it's considering the interests of others than my own interests. And what it does, it demands humility. Say, say humility. Okay, it demands humbling myself, in other words, lowering, lowering, lowering myself beneath others so that I may uphold them. Boy, that goes totally contrary to the world's philosophy, doesn't it? Yep. So this is the kind of love that John is talking about here, this agape, agape love. This is the kind of love that as Christians, if you're saved, say amen, okay, we need to have toward one another. In fact, Paul defines this kind of love in the well-known love chapter. We know this, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and in verses 4 through verse 48 a Verse 4 through verse 8a. And I want, I want you to follow me here in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4-8a. through 8a. First of all, Paul tells us what love is. And he says love is patient and love is kind. And then what he does, he tells us what love does not do. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. And then what Paul does, this is so awesome, he tells us what love does, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and he says this, this agape, agape love, love never You guys get it? You're saved, say amen. This love is not optional. If you're a child of God, if you're saved, this love is not optional. It is an obligation. It is a responsibility for us as believers to agapeo, agape one another. Got it? This is a supernatural love, not a natural love but a supernatural love. And we can only find this supernatural love in who? Well, look at verse 7b. Let's continue. For love, say for love, speaking of agapeo, agape, supernatural love, comes from who? God, there it is. God. He's the originator. He's initiator. He's a manufacturer. He's a distributor. He's a standard, the source, the supplier and sustainer of love. Love is God's nature. See, there's no love. Say, there's no love. In the true sense, okay, but that which finds its source in God. In God. This is not a horizontal source. This is a vertical, a vertical source. Now listen, what proves that we as believers that we're progressively getting to know God better and better and better is that we love because love comes from God. And if we are of God, if we are born of him, if we are saved, then we will love like he loves. Listen, listen. We cannot truly love apart from a right relationship with God. So to know God's love is to know who? Say it. God. Look at verse 7c. Everyone who loves. Now, that's present tense. In other words, everyone who continually, habitually lives a lifestyle of agapeo, agape love, loving fellow believers in the way God has called us to love each other. You guys got it? So everyone who loves that way, what? Has been born of who? And what? Knows God. Are you guys following me here? You see, that love, God's love, agapeo, agape love, stands as a genuine testimony of our true conversion. You guys with me? So here's a lesson. You ready for the lesson? I love this. New life, new love. Say that. New life, new, new love. Now, if you're saved, say amen. Now, before, listen now, before we got saved, let's be honest now, before we got saved, we, we were filled with self, right? We were, we were filled with self. We were in love with ourselves. We would look in the mirror and sing, how great thou art. Yeah, right? Come on, right? We, we were self-centered. We were self-focused. We were self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. Everything, listen now, was about self. Amen? About self. But when we got saved, right, when we got saved, the old life, the old life has ceased and a new life has begun. If you believe that, say amen. And it's a new life, listen now, follow me now, it's a new life with a a new nature, a new heart, a new desire, new affections, new standards, and a new love agapeo, agape, supernatural love, God's love for our new family. Are you guys with me? So no longer are we self-centered. Now that we have this love, we are others-focused. Got it? Because that's what God's love does. And friends, without the new birth, without being born again, we, 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 would, we would not have this supernatural love. You see, agapeo, agape love, is the nature of God himself and expresses his character and actions towards us, motivating, say say motivating, us to do the same toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. And I want to stop there. Just as there is a positive affirmation of the new birth through love, there is a negative affirmation of a lack of conversion through the absence of love. And John, what I love about John, this guy pulls no punches, man. Tells it like it is, right? And what he's simply saying here is this person, in verse eight, is not a genuine believer. You guys with me? They've never been converted. This person does not know God. They may know about God, but they do not know God. So how do we know this? Well, John tells us why. Let's read on. Because God is love. Say, God is love. Listen, we cannot be in a right relationship with God and not show forth the very essence of who God is in love. And this is what John is talking about. No love of God in your life? Guess what? You're not a believer. That's what he's saying. Now now say, because God is is love. Say that. Now, now we need to be very, very careful here because John's not saying love is God. He's not saying love is God. He's saying God is what? Love. Because love doesn't define God. God defines love. Right? Now, if you're safe, say amen. We We do not define God by our definition of love. Instead, we define love by the character of God the character of God. Follow me. God's love is holy, right? God's love is just, right? God's love is perfect, right? So if you want to know what pure, perfect, true, genuine, supernatural love is, look at God. Got it? Because love permeates everything that he is and does. Love is his nature. Now, Now, that being said, and I want you to follow me here, Just because two people love each other, okay, doesn't mean it's necessarily holy. You guys with me? In the beginning of John's epistle, he makes it clear that God is light. Remember that? God is light, and in him there is no what? Darkness. So God is light, right? Right? And here he says, God is love, and we're going to see later in the next chapter, God is life. But here we, God is light, God is love. Therefore, His love, God's love, is a holy love, say holy love. All that God does expresses all that God is, and you see, most of that which is called love in our society, called love in our culture today, bears no resemblance or relationship to the holy, just, perfect love of God. You guys with me? It's a corrupt love. Right? It's a corrupt love. Say the exhortation of love. Number two is the manifestation of love. Say that. The manifestation of love. So first of all, John exhorts us believers that we need to love this way now the manifestation of love, look at verse 9 with me. This is how God showed, your Bible might to say manifested, in other words, to make visible what has been hidden or unknown. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only, say it, son into the world that we might live through him. So before we came to know Christ, we were enemies of God, right? We were enemies of God, but He still loved us. Didn't love our behavior, didn't love our rebellion, but He did love us. And He showed His love, how? By sending His one and only Son to die for us. John 3.16 again, right? We know that. There is no greater manifestation of love than John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. Gave. Gave back to sacrificial love, right? Let's go look at verse 10 now. Stay with me, verse 10. This is love. Say, this is love. Not, not that we love God, but that he what? Loved us. I want to stop there. There it is. Right there. There it is. Notice God's love is not a response. It's not a response. Our love to God is a response. Got it? We didn't start loving God. It's not like, oh, no, I loved you first, God. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. He, God, loved us first. In fact, Romans 5, 8, some of you know this by heart, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we are what? Still sinners. Huh? He loved us then. Okay? Christ died for us. Let's read on the text. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The King James says it like this, to be the propitiation our sins. Now remember that word propitiation refers to God's wrath being satisfied by the death of his son Jesus Christ. Simply put, it's, it's like this: Jesus is a satisfying solution to the problem of sin. Jesus is a satisfying solution to the problem of sin. You'll find that in Romans chapter 3 verses 23 to 25. don't have time to read that. Follow me now. Jesus say Jesus became the obstacle remover in our relationship with God. Jesus died, he gave himself to remove the barrier between God and us and man, right? So that we could be reconciled to God. It was the sacrifice of Jesus himself that made this possible. Now today's culture sings, today's culture raps, talks, writes, makes movies about love, but it's always a love apart from the redemptive work and character of Jesus. I just need to say that. So, So God loved us first, right? Right? He loved us first. He took the initiative. He sent his son to die for you and I so that we could be what? Reconciled to God. He, God, is the one who initiated. And we are the ones who what? Responded. Now, I want you to follow me here. God's love isn't just being shown towards us. It's not just being shown towards us, but when we Christians, as we trust his son as savior of our lives, then God's love is being placed in us. Not just shown towards us, but being placed in us, which brings us right to the third and final point is the demonstration. Point number three is the demonstration of love. Say that, the demonstration of love. So it's not just a, a love, right, a love being shown towards us, but a love that has been placed in us. Got it? Look at verse 11 now. Dear friends, there's that, there's that tender, right, that tender affection, term of endearment. Since God so loved us, say, Well, in what way did God love us? Uh, well, by loving us first, right, by saving us through what? Sending His Son, Jesus Christ, right? Loving us with his agape, agape, supernatural love. So since God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love one another. Now, you might remember this word I gave to you a while back in the Greek. The word ought, say ought, is o-phalo. Say that. Ophelo. It means to owe. It means to owe money. It means to be in debt for that which is due. So, what he's saying here is this in the Greek is that we owe it to each other, to each other, to keep on loving one another like God loves us. Got it? Romans chapter 13, verse 8, write that down. Romans 13, verse 8 says, Let us, excuse me, let no debt, excuse me, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, if you're safe, say amen. The fact that we became became a Christian shows that we will move forward in love, in love, in a love relationship with God. And in that love relationship with God, guess what? We will love other believers. Got it? We're responding to God. That's it. We're responding to God. We're loving Him. And because we love God, because we love Him, we're going to follow Him, obey Him. And as we obey Him, we love others as He has loved us. You see, the fact that that we love one another gives evidence, say, evidence of our fellowship with God and our sonship from God. And we will, listen, we will show God's divine nature Why? Because as Christians, we should become what God is. God is what? Love. God's agapeo, God's agape, supernatural love, is the hallmark of a Christian. Others ought to see God's love in our lives. Now, I know it's not always easy loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. I get that. Sometimes it's a challenge. Right? It is. Someone said this. I love it. The body of Christ... Is like a group of porcupines. We need each other, but we needle each other. Right? We poke each other. Ain't that right? Huh? Verse twelve. Say with me now. No one. Say no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete. Telio, perfect telio, complete in us. See the cause and effect there? okay? God's, let's read that again. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. say lives in us. In other words, he dwells in us. He abides in us. God has made his home in us. And his love is made complete. Your Bible might say perfect. That word perfect means complete. Telio. That's cause and effect. So this, this, this verse is key. This is why we need to love one another. Why? Because no one on earth has ever seen God. So, so stay with me here now, okay? In, in, in the Old Testament, Moses wanted to see God, right? Okay, but God said to Moses, Exodus thirty three twenty, Exodus thirty three twenty, no man can see God at any time and live. You guys with me? Hmm? Got it? In the New Testament, John chapter one verse eighteen, John. One eighteen says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, okay, has made him known. Okay, so anyone who says, I've seen God, is a liar, because they're still alive. You guys with me? Okay, listen, no one on earth has seen the ultimate glory of God. The Bible says that, and because of that, we need to love one another. Now, now, follow me here. The only way that mankind can, in a sense, see God is through our love for one another. That's what he's saying. When we love one another, they see that we belong to God. They will see the nature of God. They will see the attribute, attribute of God's love in our lives. Now, let's go back to the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. And we've, we've used this passage many times in this series so far. And in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus tells his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another, right? And this is how he made it in you, as I have loved you. So you must what? Love one another. This is what he says here. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you, what? Love one another. Huh? Not if you quote scripture, not because you have some God slogan out in front of your church, not because you have a bumper sticker, a Christian bumper sticker on your car, not because you wear a cross. No, by your love. So here's a lesson. You ready? God's presence is demonstrated by our love. You cannot see God and live, but people can see God's love through us. Got it? The only window that people have into the character of God is our love for one another. and It's displaying our love for one another. That's when love, God's love, has achieved its goal. It's made complete in us. Back to the text again, okay? God lives in us and His love is made complete. Say complete. Say perfect. It's the word teleo. Say teleo. It's made complete in us. When we love one another, we're experiencing the fullness, telio of God's love for us through one another. Now listen, friends, if we're truly saved, if we are, if we're truly saved and possess the love of God, it will be visible in our lives. It will, okay? Not, not perfectly, but it will be seen in our lives. Now if you're saved, say amen. God's love is the greatest when expressed through each other. The greatest. That's when we know his love to the fullest. Now I want you to get this. If you're safe, say amen. You cannot get along by yourself. Hear that? Can't. Can't. You will never know the depths of God's love for you unless you learn to love others And be loved in return. And I want you to hear this, friends. Listen now. We were never intended to be terminals of God's love, God's blessings, but channels of His love, channels of His blessings. His love is given to us not to keep it for ourselves, but to show it and to share it with others. Can I get an amen? This is why, listen now, this is why it's such a blessing to be in church. Because here's where you can exercise that love. I love it when I see people after church or even before church in the living room just talking to one another and loving one another and praying for one another. You can't have that at home by yourself. Are you guys with me? That's why it's such a blessing to be in the body of Christ, to be in corporate worship, because it's here we, we can exercise that love. Amen. David Guzik said this. Some people think the greatest evidence of God's presence or work is power. Some people think the greatest evidence of God's presence or work is popularity. Some people think the greatest evidence of God's presence or work is passionate feelings. But the greatest evidence of God's, pre- God's presence and work is love. And he says this, where God is present and working there will be love. Love. Amen? So as we wrap this up, what what John is is trying to convey to us, he wants us to understand that love for each other must begin in the household of God. Here. 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 And church, I want to tell you, if we cannot or will not love those in our own family, our own familia here in the body of Christ, we will never be able to reveal God's love to a lost world. Never. So let's just wrap this up. Let's get practical here. Don't even try to write it down. I'm gonna go fast here. If we're going to live in the love of God, listen, Christians, Talking to Christians. We must give up petty disagreements, Arguments and feelings of competition. Give it up. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Also, we should speak of one another in honoring, honoring ways rather than gossiping. We should rally to the side as believers, to those side of those who hurt, even if it's just to hold them. And just cry with them. Just cry with them. We should be there to help the one who fails, even those who fail publicly. We should extend forgiveness for the offenses we sometimes experience at the hand of others. We should be patient with each other. Huh. Patient with each other as we mature in our faith at different rates and in different ways. We should disagree. Listen, how. We should disagree with each other in ways that are not disagreeable. And we should be willing to give of ourselves in order to help someone else. And We should be willing at all times to pray for and with each other. Because whether you realize it or not, the world is looking at us to see how we love each other. Right? And if we will work at these things as the body of Christ, we will give evidence that God lives in us. Hopefully, those who are not saved, as they see the way that we love each other, will be willing to turn from their sin and come to Christ through the love of the living God. The biggest, most powerful evangelism tool is us loving one another. Amen? Not natural love. Supernatural love. Let's all stand. Father, we, we thank you. So many things to think about today. Your heart, you love the church. You're coming back for the church. Coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And Father, I pray that we here at Cry Out that we would be an example of godly love. Thank you, Lord, for loving us first. Thank you, Lord, for the way you love us. Thank you for your sacrificial love. You gave your one and only son that we would have life. We praise you for who you are. And might we, Lord, love one another as you have loved us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.